Welcome back to 90 or Nothing Podcast with hosts Paxton Pulford and Kylie Barnett. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us here on the 90 or Nothing Podcast show. We're back. I know we've had a bit of a break lately, but it's just been a few, due to a few technical difficulties, working out how we can uh, contact people due to this isolation period that everyone's experiencing. So we've worked out that we can Skype call our interviewees. So that's opened up a new element for us. So yeah, we're looking forward to getting back on track and and getting as, as much access to all the great trainers and competitors and people around in this industry. But nonetheless, this week we have a huge episode with a young trainer that I'm sure many of you are familiar with his name, Wyatt Young. And uh, Wyatt is, uh, he's only 23 years of age and he's based out of Tamworth as a young horse trainer and certainly been very successful in the few years that he's been doing it. Yeah, we managed to get a pretty solid interview with Wyatt and it was really great to catch up with him and, and a big shout out to him as it is his birthday today. He did keep that a little quiet on the podcast, but yeah, big shout out to you, mate. I hope it's a, a good one. Well, guys, we sure hope you enjoy this, and a big thanks to our great sponsors, Camp Draft Training Online and Select Size. Make sure you jump on their websites as you'll find why it appears on both of those pages and has some great content on there to offer. Alrighty, guys, let's get right amongst it. This episode of the 90 or Nothing podcast show has been proudly brought to you by Camp Draft Training Online. Are you looking to improve yourself in the Camp Draft pen? Well, why not jump on www.teamcto.com.au and find out all the latest tips and hints from Australia's greatest camp draft trainers. These guys will make the difference. So remember guys, when sparing and jerking just ain't working, jump on www.teamcto.com.au and subscribe. Well, welcome guys. This is our first Skype interview for the season with uh we've got a great candidate white young hey white how you going mate good self paxton yeah good and we've got kylie joined she's on yeah. the other thanks for having me on i'm really excited to try try the skype considering the circumstances with covid where yeah sort of looking outside the square to see how we can still contact everyone that's still working their horses and doing things yeah that's for sure well well, Wyatt, um, Wyatt's a young trainer from Tamworth, and Wyatt, what, what's been happening with you guys with this uh, whole coronavirus deal? Has it affected you guys much? Oh, look, Paxton, it hasn't um, affected it hasn't affected me here too much at all just yet. Um, things obviously have been a little quieter since, um, you know, everything in February, March and April haven't been on since Landmark. Um, so, you know, I didn't have an influx of uh, the Stock Horse Nationals horses and, and Toowoomba sale horses and, and Kempsey sale horses, for that matter. Um, yeah. You know, whilst I've still had plenty of horses here and plenty of work, um, you know, it, uh, the pressure of being away nearly every weekend for, for eight or nine weeks, uh, it, it didn't come. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What about you, Kylie? Are you guys been busy or...? Yeah, well, actually, we've, we're just in the process of moving and all the rest, so... Uh, the horses have taken a bit of a back burner and then we'll get stuck in them again shortly. But same as Wyatt, we had some horses booked into Toowoomba and we were looking forward to Wollinga Park and a few other sort of shows, uh, the Futurity. We didn't have a Futurity horse, but we were getting a few snaffle bit horses ready. So, yeah, all of a sudden we sort of thought, oh, well, we can chuck them out and, yeah, sort of just poke along and hopefully have some really good snaffle bit horses. Now we're a bit behind. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Good time to focus on our young horses. But um, anyway, Wyatt, let's take us right back to the start, mate. Where did where did it all begin from for you guys? Where, where did you grow up from? Oh, look, Paxton, I um, you know, grew up over at Gloucester on the uh, mid north coast. Um, that's where you know mum and dad were and everything like that. Um, so that's where I grew up as a kid. Um, when I was uh, the first term, of year eleven and twelve, is when we moved over to. Uh, to Tamworth, um, so you know, born and reared at Gloucester, and and uh, went to school there and rode horses, went to pony club, um, did all those sorts of things, stock horse shows, you know, all the local drafts. Yeah. And I probably didn't travel too often back then until we sort of got a little bit older and 
and uh, a cousin of mine, Hannah, uh, she used to come and show with us every weekend as well. Um, yeah. But, you know, at the start, yeah, just stuck pretty local and just did the pony club stuff. And and uh, mum and dad had a stock and stations agency there. So that was, um, you know, that's what we did. And, and then, uh, yeah, we, we moved over to Tamworth and, and I finished my schooling and and took on the, the, the horse game. Just going back a little bit, you guys, well, you still got, still have a um, stock horse stud called Cedarvale Stock Horses, is that, isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. You know, um, Cedarvale stud, it's, oh, it'd be, well, mum and dad started it, but it's been around for oh, nearly 30 years now. Um, you know, still got one of the old original horses that started with here. Um, yeah, that's been a family Family deal for, yeah, 30-odd years, I suppose, now. And, and Cedarvale was my great-great-grandfather's uh, property name and, and his brand was the HY. So, um, you know, we still use that to this day. What sort of uh, bloodline was was mainly with your stock horse? Oh, look, Kylie, I think, um, you know, what Dad put together was mainly sort of cadet uh, Master Luke bred horses. You know, Master Luke and uh, was very uh, well known around the, the Gloucester area and a few things like that. Um, you know, there was a little bit of radium and a few things like that, but mostly cadet and, and Master Luke, I could say, yeah. Yeah, so that's what you grew up riding, those types? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I grew up riding. You know, I obviously had kids' ponies coming through and, and then uh, one of the best little ponies I rode as a kid, she was she was old uh, Moonlight that Ben McNaughton used to ride, and uh, she was by Master Luke Colt. So, um, yeah, she she was probably the better mare I've rode ever. Yeah, she was a little cracker, I remember her. Yep, little yeah, little Yeah, that was she, um, she. She was an unbelievable mare, yeah. Are many of your horses today still have that same old bloodline? Like many of your competition horses? Um, look, yeah, like definitely like um, Twist, um, my good open mare that I took to Sydney last year and, and everything like that, uh, that runs second at Warwick last year in the Cannings Downs or the year before. Um, she, um, you know, she was by her dad's old turbo that, you know, he bred and, and uh, you know, all of that, yeah. Yeah, righto. Talk to us a little bit about um, a, a mare that I particularly remember that you used to ride. Uh, her name was Cedarvale Noir. Just talk to us a little bit about her. Yeah, look, Noir was, um, you know, she's still one of the faves or is the favourite uh, over the years. She's a, she's been a very good black mare to us here. Um, she was, you know, bred by us, broken in by Gerald O'Brien, and then, uh, you know, I rode her from a kid all the way through to her now when she's, oh, sugar, she'd be 18 or 19 now, I suppose, and, and in the broodmare paddock. So, but, no, she was a very, very good mare to me, and um, she... She taught me a lot. Uh, she was a mare that you never had, to, you know, you never argued with. Um, she always just just did what you asked, and she always did it to the best she could. Yeah, that mare certainly. I think she's just won everything I remember you ever competing in. Um, yeah. What what was she, you know what was her bit of a breeding, but like where'd she go back to? Well, Paxton, you know, I think. I'd have to look back at the records, but, um, you know, I think she won every junior and juvenile challenge from eight-year-old to under 21 at the Stock Horse Nationals or Youth Nationals there, there was. Yeah. Um, she's won every age group for that. Um, yeah, there wasn't too much she didn't win, really, in the Stock Horse stuff. Um, she's an open camp draft mare as well. Um, but she was by a horse called uh, the Echo Rivley Relic, and uh, he was owned by Wally and Claire Martin at Merriwall. And then yep. her mother was by uh, My Way, Brown My Way. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, plenty of sort of hunter breeding, breeding in her. Yeah. And what have you bred her to now? Look, I got a, uh, I got a five- or six-year-old mare out of her by uh, Impressive Destiny at Troy Palmer's. Um, yeah. She started the camp draft campaign. I didn't show her as much or, or at all, really. I just, just camp drafted her since being at Tamworth, and that's sort of predominantly what I do now. Um, and then I uh, tried to put her in foal last year, but with the the season and everything, it just didn't didn't pay off. Yeah, yeah, no, it's certainly a tough one for breeding this last season, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, just walk us through some of the maybe memorable moments that you had as a youth competitor growing up. I know you did a lot of stock horse work, so was there a couple of times there that really stood out to you? Um. Yeah, look, um, being a kid or, you know, juvenile, I suppose you'd say, and, and placing in, 
the top three of the Abbey Open Challenge at Stockhorse Nationals for for four years in a row was was pretty special. Um, against people like Warwick Lawrence from you know Willinga Park now, uh, Gerald O'Brien, um, you know all those guys were there first and second or third and um, yeah that was that was probably pretty special yeah. So yeah. just while we're on the topic of stock horses, over the yeah. years there's been sort of a fair few ups and downs within the society and and yeah. uh, all that's going on. And there seems to be uh, quite a bit happening with the stock horse society as far as some incentives and different things um, in the in the future. How, how do you see that all playing out? Do you feel that that's the right direction with everything going on there? Oh, look, Kylie, I think, um, you know, the Stock Horse Society has been around for a long time and, and uh, has got a very big, uh, you know, they've got a huge membership compared to other associations in the country and, and things like that. Um, you know, I grew up through the Stock Horse and it's been very, very good to me and it, it's always been very, very good to me. And, uh, you know, I think these incentives that, that they can create to to continue uh, people looking for stock horses and, and, and going, you know, breeding that way, you know, whether it's, you know, even just crossbred horses or, or you know, what everyone's wanting now or stuff, uh, you know, I don't ever want to see the, the stock horse die, but, you know, we've got to, we've got to breed and train and, and keep up with what the, you know, the horse people want. And uh, I think that's the most important thing is finding that, that right horse. And regardless of the breed, because, you know, it, it might affect you being able to go and, and take him to the lead class and hack class somewhere. But, um, you know, at a camp draft, people are looking for that, for that crossbred horse to, to, to be able to watch a cow, but also, you know, be able to gallop and, and catch a cow. I think you're definitely right there. I've always been involved with the stock horses as well. My grandfather was, and I have a bit of a soft spot for the breeding. Whilst over the last few years, I have I mainly do have quarter horses, but I do like to see the society keep striving to um, keep their uh, heritage stock horses as well as the crossbreds and um, with the new yep. incentives and the new way that you can register your horses. I feel like... I can be a part of that again, uh, whereas before when they were just sort of being probably um, a little bit too hard to um, yep. to work with. But now, um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it all goes and sort of hope. Yeah, I think I think it will be, Kylie. But, you know, I think um, allowing some of those crossbred horses and a few things like that become, you know, eligible for registration uh, of some degree, uh, c continues to keep the members in the stock horse and and you know uh, positive thinking towards it, not uh, negative, not negative thinking. You know, so yeah. I think you know it's it's open. You know that what they they se that you know they seem to be changing or have changed or added in um, seems to you know open the gates a little bit and, and it's going to try and hold. You know, hopefully it holds people there because yeah, we don't want to see the stock horse. Uh, you know, stop or fold or, or, or not continue because it's been around for that goddamn long now and, and the breed is is Australian. It's uh, it's pretty special to everyone, you know, here that rides a horse. Oh, definitely. And you've only got to look over um, some of the top camp draft horses that have been around and, you know, you think of the Warwick Gold Cup, um, Old Roma, that Pete O'Neill road and and yes. Tom Man, all those, and oh, there's plenty more, Delta of um, Pete and... Uh, uh, Sorry, Steve Comiskey's and, yep. um, yeah, lovely yes. horses that have just done, you know, and they, they were just above their league type horses. So you definitely want to see those, that type of horse still running That's, around. So You know, you look back at old Mystic and Amiga and, and all of those horses, they um, – they were all straight bred stock horses and, and that's what they won was the Gold Cup and that's the pinnacle of our sport. Yeah, exactly. Very good. So um, moving on, I guess one of the big highlights of your career uh, would be Lairmark. Yep. Would it be? Was that, would that be one of your highlights? Yeah, most, most definitely, Kylie. It, uh, it was a very memorable year. You know, I had support from two very good clients with two very good horses for a period of time prior to uh, the actual event. And, uh, you know, well, luck was on our side and we did the work at home and it, it did pay off. Uh, why you're being very humble about this, but guys out there who who might not have um, known, White managed to win the Landmark Classic Camp Draft in 2019 and also win the uh, Challenge that year. So it was um, you know on two separate horses, which is just a massive credit to you. 
what sort of went into the training with with them? Why did you have them the whole time through, or what happened there? So with uh, Nashville Nightman, the, obviously the classic winner, he um, he came to me as a uh, you know they bought him as a three year old at the sale. He came to me just before winter uh, after you know that sale, and uh, I had him for about oh I reckon a month to six weeks. Um, and then I, uh, I actually jumped on the plane. I went to, to America for three weeks, and, and uh, I told the, the, the people that you know owned him at the time that uh, I think a fair bit of the horse. I, I you know I think think that he's got something that uh, you know that, that not a lot of other horses offer. And, and you know the, their words were when he dro- was first dropped off, if you don't think he's good enough, call the vet and, and cut him. And I said, oh well, we'll just give him a little chance. And and I'd said to them when they picked him up before I went over the states for three weeks that. Uh, you better work out what you can do because I'd like the horse back to to have a serious shot and and you know I thank thank those people very much that you know they could obviously sense the the trust and the belief I had in that horse and 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 they they stuck by me for that for the eighteen months close to two years and and or whatever it was and we you know it, it all fell together. Yeah. So Nightman, he was a um, con man out of a Spinifex man, is that right? That's right. He's by a con man out of a Spinifex freckles JJ man, a uh, man yeah. called Doc's Nightlife. And uh, I believe she finaled in the futurity. Um, I've tried to find out a little bit of information on her, but it seems to be a little bit harder. But, um, you know, I do believe she finaled in the futurity. Um, yeah, she was a Spinifex freckles JJ man. And, and, you know, you look back through a few pedigrees, that, that Spinifex freckles JJ, but especially the Spinifex, that – that's very important in a lot of lot of you know in, in a lot of breeding and uh, bloodlines that we all chase. Yeah, for sure. And so then your challenge winner, Sheedy Spin and Pepsi. Tell us a bit about her. Yep. Well, um, the the people that um, I knew the people very well that's actually sold the mare, um, Glenn and Kim Fraser at Landmark, and uh, I, I knew the owners very well too. And and uh, thanks to to you know a, a little bit of um, um, recommendation from Glenn and Kim that you know uh, I got the mare for the, the Snafflebit Futurity. And like the NCHA Snafflebit Futurity is a three-year-old, yeah. and um, I took her there and and. Uh, we won the the second round and uh, had no luck in the final, but, but you know I had a I knew what that mare was and and to me she's a pretty special mare and 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 then the conversation just came that you know we'd set her up for landmark and set her up for this and that and and I had the mare I didn't really have her on here as a as a you know all the way through but she did come here in two or three stages and and then she came to me at five weeks five to six weeks before landmark that year and and uh, you know we just prepped her up here at home and and yeah she just went there and 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 proved herself yeah yeah she was awesome so that five to six week block before um landmark sale now no nutrient sale what yes. what are you sort of doing there what's the program leading up to it so you know with my well with the you know the the conman horse nightman or ned as we call him he um, he just had work here like we took him to uh, a couple of drafts yarrowich and and i think walker was on before that um and and didn't expect anything of him we just i just rode him like we were at home and just sort of trained on him as such and and just let kept let him keep finding his feet right up until the the day of competition and and he he's a very smart horse he um he just kept you know getting better and better here at home and and you know being able to to work fresh cattle every day you know from from my good cattle supply and and uh, you know he just got better and better and and solider and you know the, over the period of time I had him he just yeah, he just became solider and solider and solider for a four, you know, four and a half, five-year-old horse that that was stepping into to big open, really open competition, and and you know he stepped up to the plate pretty damn good. Um, so you know the five, six weeks leading in, we just just worked them here, um, you know, five, six days a week, give them a day off. Um, you know, if they they feel a little little doughy or a bit fresh, we either ride them the seven days or give them two days off. Um, you just gotta. You just got to mould your training and your, you know, your program around the horse. Um, you know, you, you just, be, you know, we we work nine to five, or you know, people in town work nine to five at a cafe. Well, that doesn't work here. You know, if you got to ride them a bit longer, a bit shorter, or, you know, more in the week, less in the week, you just you just got to feel that and, and be confident in the decision you make. 
um, whether you you know you override him or underwrite him, that that'll always come out on the day of competition. Um, the biggest thing is I found is you just got to be confident in the decision you make and 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 stick by it and hope for the best. Yeah. Well, what well, this nutrient sale you've um, become fit or really involved in it lately. I think this year, how many horses did you sell through the ring there? It was 20-something, wasn't it? Yeah, I uh, I was to present 24 horses and, and, and two didn't make the ring. So 22 went through the sale ring this year. Um, yeah. yeah, that was a hell of an effort. And, and I wouldn't be able to do anything I've done here in the last few years um, without the support and help from, from you know, my family, mum and dad, um, my workers um, from from the, the seasonal stuff they come and do. Um, you know, everyone that plays a role here is, is appreciated and is very important. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been able to present 22 horses this year, um, I believe, the way I did and, and couldn't have got it done without any of them. Yeah, no, it was a fantastic job. And 22 horses or 24 horses to ride each day in that heat would have been a bit testing. Yeah, look, you know, we um, we were starting here. This year actually wasn't too bad. Like it, I don't believe this year was as hot as last year, um, for argument's sake. Um, so we were starting around, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning and going through to when we we're done, um, which was, you know, ten, eleven o'clock somewhere in there, um, or just before lunch. And if we had a couple to ride late that afternoon, we did. We just just made it work. Um, you know, last year we were starting at sort of one thirty, two o'clock. Um, yeah, it just seemed to be hotter last year. This year, I think this this certainly helped us out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Going back a little bit, did you uh, always have in mind that you wanted to be a, a, a horse trainer from the beginning? Was that sort of your only thought that that was what you were going to do? No, oh, look, Paxton. Growing up in the stock and station agency, um, you know, having five offices of sale yards and and everything that we used to run, as you know, well, mum and dad used to run. You know, that's all I knew um, was this, was the agency game. Um, yeah, look, I I found myself being an only child. I'd come home from school and I'd ride a horse. Um, I didn't have that uh, luxury of dad being home or, or, or you know, mum being home or available to, to kick a football around or a brother and sister. Um, so it was just we had a horse, so you rode a horse. And, uh, you know, I remember as a kid um, the property we lived on right at Gloucester, it was across the river from town. And, and uh, I remember signing up for little athletics and, and a couple of things like that for every year. And, and I'd be down carrying a horse around on the Tuesday afternoon. I'd hear the, the gun go uh, for the races to start. And, oh, well, I missed that year. <laughs> I missed that day. So we'll try next week. Where I don't think I ever finished a, a full season of any sport in town from from soccer, football, swimming or little A's. So, you know, it was pretty evident that, that horses were – were from a young age uh, pretty pretty important to me and and you know I must have loved loved doing what I was doing and yeah. Um, so yeah so that's that's how it really started and I guess once uh, coming to Tamworth and, and finishing school and um, I did actually start a, a, a trial for a, a Farrier's apprenticeship at Arrowfield at Scone with Dave Winter. Um, I finished up at the end of the three-month trial, and, and uh, I uh, I love shoeing, and I still shoe some of my own. And, and uh, I, uh, but my passion was riding horses, and, and the opportunity arose to to go to America with Al Dunning. It took me three years of emailing and phone calling him from 2013 to, to at Equitana when I first met him, to 2016, the first of January when I flew out. And, uh, yeah, I, I knew going over there that that's what I wanted to do and at the time, you know, and still do, um, and that's where the passion was. But obviously Al Dunning was um, something triggered you when you saw him down at Equitana to really follow him up that hard. What was it about him that you wanted, that you knew you wanted to work with yeah, him? Yeah, Kylie, um, the biggest, what sort of... Got me on the Al Dunning as such was uh, Michael Wilson. Uh, Mick worked for Al back 20, 25, 30 years ago. I'm unsure exactly when, but but Michael worked for him years ago, and, and he told me he said, when this guy comes out, you must 
you must go down and see him and introduce yourself. And if you want to go to the States, he said, I'll help you get there. And, and, and thanks to Mick, um, you know, and, and some recommendations and, and stuff and phone calls and emails Alan Mick had that, um, you know, that paid off. And I believe that uh, Jamie Sackham and myself are the only two that have been um, over to, to Al's that, that Michael has sent. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think every day that I'm appreciative to Mick for, for setting that up for me. Yeah. So how long did you end up over with Al for and what do you feel you learnt from him that you sort of couldn't learn learn over here? Was it just that hands-on experience or...? I, th- I think, Kylie, it, uh, Al was, I think he had his 67th or 8th birthday when I was there. So he's he's been around a damn long time or a fair while uh, in the in the industry over there. He first started riding horses when he left school and, and uh, you know, he's had a lot of time in the industry there. He started out... You know, he started out showing halter horses and then went to working cow horse. You know, he's done the reining, he's done the cutting. Um, to me, he's an all-rounder. He's a he's a he's a horse trainer. He's a horseman. Um, he's not a he's not just a cutting trainer. He's not just a working cow horse trainer. Um, you know, you could you give him a horse and tell him, you know, you want it to do that, he can get the job done. Um, and that's where I see Australia, you know, is a little bit different to America is is us over here. We've got to be a little bit more diverse because uh, our horse world and, you know, the campgraft world certainly is is big enough, but it's not big enough. Um, you know, it's we can't be as diverse as them guys over there and be a straight this trainer and a straight that trainer. I think at times we've got to, got to find that we've got to be a little diverse at the start to, um, you know, make a business and until we sort of expertise in, in which field we want to. Um, but, you know, everything's growing, everything's getting better. So, yeah, I looked at Al and he's won 50-odd world titles in a number of different disciplines. He's trained a lot of guys that have won world titles at cutting, reining, cow horse. Um, yeah, he just he could just train a horse and that's that's what I you know I wanted to do is go and learn from someone like that and 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 Al opened my eyes up to how you know obviously America do things and and the size and the 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 scale that they have is unbelievable like at Al's when I was there there was something like 65 horses in work um you know it was was unbelievable you know we'd start at sort of six six o'clock in the barn and, and we'd be finished by early afternoon and you know they had a that we had al had a lot of help and that was one thing i picked up was you know to be successful in the horse deal you've got to have a lot of help and you've got to have the right help and and you've got to be appreciative of that and and that um you know that that stuck out to me a lot um but you know you've got to be committed to the deal that you're doing and 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 try your best that's awesome so what sort of when you were there, what kind of horses, like were you riding the two-year-olds, the competition horses? What what sort of deal was that? So when I was there, um, Al didn't take on any two-year-olds. He he gave up the two-year-old game completely. He had he had two trainers working out of Al's place that uh, used to work for Al, were his assistant trainers, but they they've sort of stepped out, or at that time they'd stepped out on their own, but still working from the same place. So that that, that was Jade Keller and Cody Lamont. Cody is actually an Aussie. And uh, Cody and I got along, you know, nearly like brothers and, and still do. Um, so they, they, they sort of took on the two-year-olds and three-year-olds sort of, um, you know, the, the side of things where, well, Al had a lot of not just non-pro and non-pro horses and, and, and open horses that he showed for clients and, and people and, and kept them going. Um, so, yeah, Al was... Al still showed the odd young horse, you know, three- and four-year-old, but, no, he was, a, he was more an open... Open calibre horse and, and non-pros, that was his biggest deal, looking after his non-pros and, and training those horses and, and, and so they could just fly in, fly out to a cutting show whenever they liked. Yeah, right. Did you get to show any while you were there? I did. I uh, I showed a, a chestnut gelding in the $2,000 limited rider about uh, four or five times, I think. And yeah. we picked up a money in three of those those goes, and and it was yeah, it was it was great. Um, Al, Al, um, you know, he put me on a horse. It was a it was a good old golden, and and the owner of him was was a great guy, and and um, yeah, it 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 was good. It was fun. 
how did that horse compare to some like some of the horses, some of the cutting horses maybe that you've ridden over here? Was there any different feeling? Was there anything to um, separate the two, or was it you know sort of similar thing? No, not really, Paxton. At the end of the day, they um, you know they stop and go with the cow. Um, you know, each horse feels different, yes, but as a as a whole, you know. He was a cutter, you know. He um, he stopped and went with the cow, and you put your feet in him here and there, and and he was just a just a good honest old gelding. He um, he was no superstar, and and never was going to be, but he um, he just fitted me first time showing in the cutting pen, great, and and the owner that owned him was oh he was a 60, 60 odd year old man and just wanted to have a bit of fun, so he just turned up and showed him. So yeah, right. That was your first go at showing a horse a snaffle bit cutting. Um, that was first time showing a, a, a cutter, yeah, like a one-handed, uh, one-handed, yeah. Was and then, the first time. And yep. then did you come back and have a go at the snaffle bit after that then, did you? Yeah, that's right. I came home and, and you know, tried to set thing, you know, my business up here and get rolling. And um, Mick Wilson, um, he introduced me or got me going in the first snaffle bit uh, I did here in the futurity. And, and uh, I, uh, I actually showed him there for Mick because he had won too much money the year before. And, and um, I showed her for him and he, he created the bug, I, I, I could admit, yes. So um, And then every year since I've had a snaffle bit of, um either i've been working here myself or uh, jamie second's been very good to me and had a catch ride or two each year for me so, so um coming back coming from the stock horse showing side of things and camp draft side of things how did you feel moving over into the cutting snaffle bit area did you find it was a big step or did you know for a lot of people it can be a little bit daunting to take that step did you feel that way as well? And then once you got in there, you got a bit of a roll with it or what was your um, thought? I think, you know, most definitely at the start, like working cattle at home, I didn't, you know, the snaffle bitters, it, it didn't, I didn't see um, or feel that it was too far different to what, you know, I usually do. Um, there's certainly a lot different, but, you know, I still, you know, the basics are still the same, stop and go with the cow. Yeah. Um, do what the cow does um, but you know I'll, I'll never forget the first time and, and still if I'm to get nervous when I show a horse it's at the snaffle bit every year um, in every round I don't know what it is I just step out in that ring and as you're walking down that, that timeline it um, yeah I get proper nervous and uh, you know we're riding into a camp at a draft or anything like that couldn't couldn't um, doesn't worry me at all yeah yeah, no, um, I can understand that. I just feel that um, a lot of people would love to have a go at the snaffle bit, but I think sometimes they overcomplicate it and think there's yep. too much yep. more to it than – and there's, there is a lot to one-handed cutting, no doubt about it, but I, I do feel the camp drafters um, can actually have a go at the snaffle bit and aren't too far off the mark half the time. They just probably need to, you know, make it a bit tighter or a bit neater or a bit something. But yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, I just I do want to encourage as many camp drafters or stock horse people, whoever's interested, that the snaffle bit really isn't that far out of reach for most people. No, no, it's definitely not. I, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm in full support of what you say there. Um, you know, I think that um, if anyone is wanting to have a go or thinking about it or half training one at home, find someone in your area. You know, very blessed here at Tamworth. There's a lot of people. That, you know, there's 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 cutting trainers. You know, within ten minutes, um, uh, find someone that that you know is is a little bit more. You know, does what you you're wanting to do, and and go and spend a bit of time with them. And you know, go to some pre works. Go to go around to their places and and ask questions and 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 just have a go because once you do it, it um you know it's it's a lot of satisfaction and it's um uh, you know it's it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, just uh, you've mentioned a few of them um, already, but talk to us about some of the mentors that have helped you while you've been growing up and maybe there's some that are present still. Um, yeah, look, you know, Paxton, there's a lot. Um, I, You know, there's a lot of people that have, have thrown me some advice and, have, and been happy to help me from time to time. You know, I remember as, as, a, as growing up at Gloucester, I used to have dressage lessons with a fella called Ross Green uh, three to four times a week for 
I reckon it could have been five years, and that happened every week. He, um, you know, he was a he was a straight dressage man, and I had dressage lessons, and and I am very, you know, at the time. <laughs> probably not very thankful and, and, and could admit it. But, but now the, the, the foundation with, you know, being able to ride a horse properly and sit up properly uh, that he, uh, you know, he helped me and gave me, you know, I'll, I'll never, you know, I'll appreciate. Yeah. Um, you know, but there's, you know, there's, there's Gerald O'Ryan. He's my godfather. Um, yeah. He's been there, still there right through, um, you know, Warwick Lawrence has offered me advice over the time um you know alan mccousin um yeah. troy palmer you know um and then you know obviously mick wilson and, and a few guys around here um you know um you know bruce mcnaughton's been good to me the last uh, 12 months i suppose and and uh, yeah paxton i don't i don't really like singling many out but um, yeah. because there, there's always been one more than i say and uh, but you know i those people know who they are and I appreciate them, you know, in everything and in every way they have helped me. But, but those guys are probably the most important ones to me. Yeah. Do you, do you find, I don't know, moments when you're sort of riding or you're training on a horse and, and you just, you know, those, those little bits of advice come into your head and you, and it really helps you work through those situations. Yeah, most definitely. Like there's times where you'd be working one and, and uh, you know, working one on a cow and if I can't get one to watch a cow as good as I'd like, I, you know, uh, Mark Ray's been very good at with, with helping me at getting uh, my horses connected to a cow and, and I just stop and think about what he says and, and nine times out of ten I ring him that night and have a bloody two-hour conversation because once he starts you can't get him off the phone. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah, just, just stop and think and realise, uh, you know, uh the horses are within reason that they only do what we ask and if they're not doing what we want we've got to work out why and uh that's where you know i think the 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 greatest set from you know uh, are found from the the good horsemen is or you know trainers is is they can work that out on each individual horse and uh that's a bit hard but you know it uh yeah. that's i guess is what the test is yeah I'm sure there's, is that, do you have many testing times? Is there moments where you just really, you know, um, you know, it's, it's a tough game, the horses, it's mentally taxing. Do you, do you ever feel that pressure? Oh, more word Paxton, you know, there's been times where, you know, I've worked half a dozen or a few more horses here in the arena and today's just getting worse and worse. And, and, uh, you know, the, the, you do ask yourself, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You know, um, there is times like that, yes, and, and they probably happen more times than, than a lot of other people realise. And, and you just got to keep, you know, uh, it's happened here. You know, I just dig, you know, think that, you know, the people that own the horses are, are supporting me because they know I can get the job done. Um, you know, they have faith in me because they're paying the bills. So, you know, you, you just think, well, if, if people can think that I can do it, you know, step up to the plate and, and make it happen. And, and uh, you know, it, it can be damn hard. You know, there's a lot of sleepless nights and, and things like that, but you just got to keep working it way around it and, and just, you know, keep trying your best. That's all you can do. Yeah. I found that the more horses that you've ridden over the years, like you can always look back and think, oh, I wish I did, I could have done better with that horse now that I know this and that. But do you think just being on such a, so many horses, at the end of the day, you just know how to work on individual horses as they come to you just because of the amount of horses that you've ridden over the years? Yeah, you know, Kai, that just comes down to experience, I guess. You know, the, the more experience you have, you know, the, the more you should know um, or, you know, be able to, to mould your program around each individual horse. Um, you know, this afternoon I uh, I rode a mare for, for a fella just up the road and, and he plays polo. So, you know, I was a little out of my depth, but I was swinging a polo, polo uh, stick about, having a bit of fun. But, you know, she was only a breaker on about a th uh, three weeks riding. So, you know, yeah, it, um, it's good to have those little changes, though, um, and not just be riding the same horses day in, day out. It's it's good to have those. Every now and again, I get a, I've had a pony come here to get broken in or a thoroughbred, and, and it's good to have a bit of a change because it... it it keeps you alert and keeps you awake and, and, and keeps you up to, to speed at changing your program to suit each horse. Yeah. So what is your uh, your goals from here on? You've been taking on a lot of horses for camp drafting and stock horse and sales and all the rest. Yep. 
there do you have an end goal or you're quite happy just like you know what you're doing now is, is what you're what you're intending or have you got another yeah look I you know I I don't think I'll ever be too far from riding horses that's for sure um you know I'd like to to build it till I've got a a base of, of great clients with great horses that, you know, both the client and I, uh, you know, discuss the breeding of their mare to right through to taking it to, you know, possibly the Gold Cup in 10 years' time or 15 years' time. Um, you know, have a band of, of clients with good horses and, and, you know, you stick by them, they'll stick by you. Um, you know, at the moment I just want to... Uh, do the best I can with each horse I get sent, um, at, whether it's a competition or a sale. Um, just always, you know, trying to do the best best possible job that I can do with, with what I've got. And, and whether that horse is good, bad or indifferent, um, you know, as a trainer, you've got to learn to, to um, appreciate those horses because at the end of the day, uh, the horses still check to us and, and they pay our bills. So we can't... Uh, can't go saying no to the lot because you'll end up with no business, but you don't want to take on the lot because you'll um, they'll wear you out pretty damn quick. So, yeah, there's a bit of balance there. But, yeah, I just I just think just keep rolling along. And, and uh, I, I love presenting horses for sales and, 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 you know, having competition horses here all the time. Um, so, you know, I don't, don't see that I have to change too much just as yet. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I just I don't mind the lifestyle and everything I've got, so we'll just continue that along. Yep. Talk, talk to us a little bit about from a business side of things. Um, as a young trainer entering the game, it can be like it's a fairly difficult game. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people find it difficult to make money in the horse business. How how have you positioned yourself to you know to ensure that 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 you're going to turn over a profit? Yeah, Paxson, you know, you just got to be upfront and honest from when they, they first ring you to drop that horse off and, and have no hidden costs, no hidden uh, hidden fees, whether that's a shoeing job or a horse's teeth or, you know, the transport from A to B. Um, you just set the rules from the start. Um, you know, if that person really wants you to ride that horse, they'll make it happen. Um, you know, I'm very, very privileged to be able to, to train out of, you know, the family place here and, and things like that. Um, which has been a great, you know, a great stepping stone for me. Um, yeah, like I wouldn't want to be a, a young person now, not that I'm old, but, you know, I wouldn't want to be a young person now stepping out of school, uh, having to rent a place and, and train. I, I, I'd expect it would be very hard. And, uh, you know, yeah, I just just set the rules with the clients and just set it up and, and uh, be uh, be fair to all and, and you know, that the, the results and people should follow. Yeah, yeah. Is there a certain uh, competition or event or title that you, you know, you you'd really like to achieve or win? Or I know you've won plenty already, but is there a certain one that you've got in in the sights? Oh, look, you know, Paxton, there's lots that you know we all like to win. You know, I uh, obviously everyone would love to win a gold cup, or a, you know, I'd like to win a you know a world cup draft at Sydney. Um, because watching that as a kid when I used to show down there the stock horses and when I did my boy rider classes, you know, you'd watch a draft of a night. So, yeah, I, I'd like to be able to, to, to try and win a World Cup draft. Um, you know, we'd all like to win our open open rider of our <laughs> Camp Draft Association. Um, yeah, there's there's lots we'd all like to win, and, and it's just, you know, if you do the work and, and everything, the, the results will follow. Yeah, no, fair enough. Well, talking of some good horses that you've come across you've recently purchased into a syndicate um with a great stallion called metallic storm uh talk to us a little bit about him and and how that all came about yeah look um you know as yes everyone mostly knows that yes i um you know syndicate and i did buy metallic storm this year at nutrient um I said to myself three weeks before the sale that if I ever had a dream or, you know, a checkbook big enough that, that you know, he would be a horse I'd love to buy and own, um, you know, or, or have here as a, as a competition horse. Um, you know, I think as time goes on, the metallic cat cults and, and, and um, you know, that bloodline is, is going to be very influential to our, our sport. 
Um, so, yeah, I did say to myself, if there's one horse in the sale I'd love to buy or own or, or ride, it, it was him. And uh, never thought any more of it. Um, watched him go in the rounds of the Classic. Um, and thought, you know, if, if Tommy Williamson tells me he had him two weeks or three weeks or something like that before the sale and, and he achieved a, a finalist at the Lamb, oh, the Nutrient Classic, I thought, you know, that horse has got something. Uh, yeah. You know, he he was proven to start with. You know, he was second in open futurity. Um, he won the limited um, non-pro. He was third, I think it was, in the open uh, non-pro. Um, yeah. You know, he'd won 53,000. Um, he was a proven horse in my eyes. And, and type-wise, um, he's bred, you know, he's built to, to gallop. He's, he's built to be able to chase one. Um, so, you know, yeah, I watched him pretty, pretty a lot um, because 12 months ago, a client and I um, had the discussions with Linda to breed a mare to him. And, uh, you know, with the drought and a few things that went on, that, it, that didn't happen. And, and so, you know, I liked the horse. And, and so we watched him. I watched him and I watched him go through the sale ring and the pre-works. And, and when he was passed in, I, uh, I came home that night and, and uh, I said to myself in bed, I said, i got to buy that horse. I don't know how I'm going to, but I'm going to try. <laughs> so the next morning about 9 o'clock, I, um, yeah, it, um, yeah, I did a first phone call and, and um, spoke to one guy and he said, what are we going to need to buy him? And I told him, you know, what I think we'd need. And, and uh, he said, well, throw me in for this. How many more you can find? I said, right, oh, no. So within about three hours, I had, um, you know, I had the money uh, committed, um, which I still can't believe. And uh, we met Jim and Linda down at the, st- at the, at the st- stable, which, and he was in my aisle at, at, at Nutrient in A Block. And um, we had a look at him and, and the potential all of us owners looked at him. And, well, we shook, shook the hand and, and we went up and saw Mark Barton and said, you better book him up. And, and it's just been a... A hell of a ride since. I know we haven't. We've been to one draft, which was Barber, um, but you know it's still. Yeah, yeah, I still can't believe how it's come about. Um, you know how it did come about, and and that it just, yeah, it must have meant to be. Yeah, well, he's an extremely well credentialed horse and a super athlete. Talk to us a little bit about riding him. Is he is he anything like you've experienced before? Um, you know, I think he's he's one of the top horses I've rode. Um, you know, by far working a cow. He's so uh, quick-footed, intelligent. Um, yeah, he he's the brains of the operation when it comes to working a cow. Um, you know, he's he's obviously never or hardly or barely chased one. Um, so you know, you got to treat him like that, treat him like a maiden horse. So you know, over the time I've had him, in the short time I've had him, I've chased a lot of bison and and a few cattle down the flat, and and we'll continue to do that until uh, you know we can all go somewhere again, and and hopefully that um, when we are like can go somewhere that you know we have a bit of luck. Yeah, for sure. Now, well, we we all um we all saw him at Barabran. Uh, he still, you know, he looks amazing as uh, per usual. So it'd be. It'll be interesting to see you competing throughout the coming months when hopefully everything starts back up again. Yeah, well, how old, how old is he now? Uh, he's six. So he, you'll, Five. he'll be a master. Five. Five. Oh, yeah, so he'll be a master's next year? That's right, yeah. So yeah. he'll be six this August and, and he'll, um, he'll come back for the master's, yeah. Yep. So obviously over the next few months, even though um, he was he done so well in the cutting pen, There'll definitely be your few highs and your few lows with the camp drafting and, and we'll all sort of be wishing you all the best with him. But, you know, we can yep. only, um, he's only he's only a horse at the end of the day and he's going to make mistakes and everyone's, that's it. He, you know, he's, he's a maiden horse in the camp draft pen and that's what people have got to expect. But we'll look forward to when he when he gets it all together and, and yeah. work, it yeah. works the game out. That's it, my word. And mare-wise, Wyatt, are you going to be breeding a few to him this year yourself? Yeah, look, I um, we actually have already sent semen off once straight after Landmark, and um, you know that was to a recip mare, but but that didn't stick. So those people are going to come back. Um, you know, I'm going to breed um, I'm going to breed my mares this year um, yeah. to him. Um, yeah, I'm going to hopefully be able to uh, Milan and Twist and, and a couple of those better mares on the truck to him, and then I've got a couple of brood mares here that um, have credentials that I think you know are, are good brood mares. So I'm, I'm yeah going to 
going to try putting them in foal and, and, and hopefully by, you know, next year we'll have some very nice foals on the game. Yeah. Just explain to us, I know this is an audio thing, but just explain to us a little bit about Metallic Storm's type. Like what, what enables him, do you think, to be able to, you know, be a successful cutting horse, but then he can also, um, you know, we've all witnessed he can really gallop as well. What sort of enables that, do you think? Look, Paxton, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, for a horse to be able to gallop, they've got to be short on top, long underneath. To me, he expresses that. Um, you know, he's got a wither. You know, you sit behind the wither. You don't sit up on top like a lamb, sit up on top of mutton withers. He's got a dashboard is what I'd say. You know, you sit behind the shoulders, in behind the wither, and, and that, that gives you length and speed. And, and then down between his front legs, he's, he's all, you know, number of older guys and, and even Dad have always said, between the front legs, you want him built like a church steeple, not like a table. And yeah. uh, he's built like a church steeple. And uh, that allows him to be able to corner and, 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 and have pace and, and, and be athletic. And, um, you know, he's, he's yeah, to me, he's a, he's a very, he's a long horse um, from head to tail. But, you know, he's short where he needs to be. He's just, to me, proportionally pretty damn good. Yeah, definitely. Well, talk to us, uh, Wyatt. What's some advice that may have stuck out to you throughout the year, throughout the years? Um, you know, it might not have even been horse-related, might have been business-related or something, but something that's really stood out to you that's really helped in your journey becoming a horse trainer. Um, look, you know, there's 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 a lot of things. You know, if um, just be confident in decisions you make. Um, you're the only one that can make those decisions. Um, if it goes great, well, that's great. If it goes pear-shaped, learn from it. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, one old guy always told me, and he was a very, very wealthy guy and, and had a lot of, you know, nice cars and, you know, nice place and a few things like that. He always told me it's, it's cheaper to pay interest than maintenance, um, you know, with, with us in the horse industry, you know, um, you see a lot of people driving around in old floats and old trucks and things like that. Well, you know, if you're you're in the position of a horse trainer, you've got to, you know, you've got to have the setup, you've got to have the vehicles and everything that uh, are satisfactory for the job that we do. And, and that's, you know, to cart twenty to $100,000 worth of horses around. Um, that was one bit of advice when I kicked off is they said it's better to pay interest than maintenance. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm not saying you go out and borrow millions and millions and, you know, and spend it all. But, yeah, that was one thing I've always tried to remember. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing is, yeah, be confident in the decisions you make and, and um, you know, trust your gut. That's that's about it, yeah. Yeah, well, we certainly recognise, well, I, I know I take note of when you're going in to compete yourself, you're, you're very confident in your horse and, you know, you sort of know what you got. Is, is that something you sort of worked on or you just you just know that what you've got underneath you is going to perform? Yeah, look, you know, I think like that, you've definitely got to um, show confidence when riding your horses and, and, and showing them and whatever else um, because if you're confident and happy and, and everything's, you know, you're in the right frame of mind, well, usually speaking, you uh, you know, the results will follow. Um, if you go go somewhere and all you're thinking about is something at home or, you know, something that's been going on lately and things like that, it, it affects your performance. And, um, yeah, that's, that's you know, you've got to have your head in the right space and, and uh, to be able to go and, and, and show those horses or ride that horse or, or train that horse is, yeah, you've got to have the right head space. Yeah. Well, we all experience some sort of degree of failure um, you know, whether it's competing on your own horses and um, for sometimes yourself, it might be on someone else's horse. So you've got that pressure building there that it's someone else's horse. How do you deal with it, um, you know, deal with it mentally when things don't go right and it doesn't happen that day? Look, I think, you know, it comes down to honesty, Paxton. I think, you know, if, if, if you go to an event and, and um, you know, the horse that someone has sent you to, to compete on and, and, you know, you get the whip in the yard... Don't just blame the cattle or blame the front gateman. You know, if you can feel that you honestly um, weren't prepared good enough, you picked the wrong cow, um, you know, the horse didn't feel right, he didn't feel this, 
you know, be honest about those things. You know, be honesty is pretty big, and and um, you be honest to to the horse owner, or, or and um, you know they should understand. Um, yeah, that's that's you know if you do if you you're in the position of um, letting someone down or things like that, just be honest with what had happened, um, what your thoughts are to fix it, change it for next time, and you know leave it to them to decide you know what's what's right and wrong. Yeah, uh, that's a good way, good way to put it, for sure. Well, Kylie, have you got anything else to add? Yeah, no, I think um, I think we've learnt plenty here today about white. And one thing I I must admit, um, after you winning the Landmark Classic and the Challenge, and I think I forget how actually young you are. With um, you were in the went went in the Young Guns again this year, and and I thought surely that's not right like you, I must admit you've done very well at a young age and I think you are the youngest competitor not only to win both but just just to win um the landmark classic itself or now nutrient and yeah I think you've done an amazing job early out and and your attitude's great and and look forward to where you go from here no, thank you, Kylie. Yes, um, yeah, Tim Hollis had a dig at me last year. I'll never forget. Uh, he said to me last year, he said, how are you in this? It's the bloody young guns. I said, I'm only 22. Tim, <laughs> he said, oh, whatever. And anyway, um, and then uh, the same conversation was had this year. But, yeah, I, uh, I'm only 23. So, um, yeah, it's been a lived 23 years, I think you could say. Definitely. Yeah, you what, fit a lot in. What about... Um, you're obviously out there competing plenty, um, Wyatt, when, when the competitions are on. Are you seeing many younger guys come, or younger guys or girls coming through as um, potential trainers? Like, is that, you know, is there still that sort of um, feed coming through? Yeah, look, I think there's, there is the odd one. Um, you know, there's the, there's a fair few young fellas that say, oh, they want to break a horse in, they want to do this, but I don't think they want to do it as a profession. Um, you know, or, or I never have the feeling they do. Um, you know, there's the odd one, but it's um, finding the right one can be be, be hard um, to be able to, you know, which which you think can step up to the block and and be a professional trainer and and and, and continue on. Yeah, but yeah. they're definitely there. They're definitely there. Yeah, for sure. Well, White, thanks for um, joining us on our first edition of Skype Call Podcasting. Um, yeah, um, thanks no. for being our, our test dummy. <laughs> no, thank you. That's no dramas at all. I hope it works out well. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure it'll be great. And, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us on that. And, yeah, we'll, we'll um, go from there. Thank you. Thanks, Kyle. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening in to the 90 or Nothing podcast show and the interview with Wyatt Young. Big shout-out to you again. Thanks, mate, for doing that. That was awesome. Great to catch up with you and a credit to you doing an amazing job at just the young age of 23, but I believe 24 now today, so good on you, mate. That's awesome. Well, guys, that's going to about do us for this week's episode, so we sure hope you enjoyed that, and be sure to look out for us in the next coming weeks as we do a few more Skype interviews and discuss the topic of the COVID camp drafting started by Mr. Zane Haberman. So we're going to have him on here soon and catch up with him and find out what that's all about. and. And we've definitely got a few more guests lined up, so make sure you guys watch this space and be sure to jump on our Facebook page and like and share this post. All right, guys, till next week, we'll catch you then. Two shot, baby, let's ride this rodeo. Three shot, four, five, honey, I'm the rebel. One step, two step, baby, put your foot flat to the floor. I'm not a first-class citizen I know every backtrack out of here I'll outrun you if I can Feel the rush, the push and chub I'm like a flame almost a fire And if you're trying to work my buttons You've got a madman's dark desire One shot, two shot, baby Let's ride this rodeo Three shot, four, five, honey I'm a rebel Put your foot flat to the floor Three, step, four, run, baby I'm an outlaw 
Maybe let's ride this road.